Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got another instalment of Fan is Short for Fanatic. I'm joined today by Jack Nolan, a mad Roosters fan. He lives down in Bondi. Bondi born and bred for a couple of generations down there. Absolutely loves his Roosters. Uh, he talks about you know his earliest memories from the mid '90s and then that that 2000s period where they you know they played in three or four grand finals. They won the premiership in 2002. He was pretty young then, but he says. You know, he's got memories of standing out the front of the house on, on the roof in the Roosters jersey with his old man and his brother. You know, those special memories you have as fans, as kids. And then, of course, a few years later, 2010 rolls around. It's around his 18th birthday, and um, they lose to the Dragons, which was heartbreaking for him, but a crazy run in 2010. We then get to 2013, and, you know, they win that premiership. He speaks about being out there at the game, the celebrations after, crazy scenes. He dives into the lows of the you know that 2016 season where he talks about the consistency of the Roosters over a decade. And then if you look at you know where they finished each year, there's just this whopping 15th sitting there among minor premierships, top four premierships. It's just crazy. And then how they built their way back up. Cooper Cronk arrives in the building. He talks us through both of those two grand finals, and we go in pr- pretty in depth on the 2019 grand final and talk about that big play um, in the Raiders v Roosters grand final, the effect it had, and you know the reality of the game that the Canberra Raiders had plenty of opportunities to win that game. Obviously, Jack's a little bit biased, but. I kind of find it hard to argue with, to be honest with you. It's a cracking chat. He talks through all of his favourite players of all time, from Brad Fittler, Minocello, Craig Fitzgibbon, Brett Finch, all these champion fellas that have been at the Roosters over the last 20-odd years. It's a great chat. I know you'll love it. Let's kick it off. Jack, welcome on. How are we, mate? Rugby League guru. Very well, thanks, mate. How are you going? All going well. A Mad Roosters fan, eh? Yeah, yeah, Mad Roosters fan. Um, going back a long way now. Um, but uh, I've, I've chosen a pretty good team to support and, and kind of go bananas for, that's for sure. I believe you refer to yourself as the uh, king of North Bondi. No, that's not me, mate. <laughs> that's that's Anthony Minicello, not me. Come on. <laughs> Tell, I wouldn't take that title off Mini. Tell me, Jack, what's your earliest memory as a uh, Chooks fan? Uh, it'd be, gee, it'd be like 95, 96. I reckon it's probably one of my earliest ever memories. Um, gone to the old SFS with my old man, who was a, a big Chooks fan from back in the day. Um, as you probably know, most people get hooked on their team or their footy through their, their parents, and that was definitely my old man. Who, uh, yeah, he and he kind of grew up in an era where he spoke about a 74, 75 grand finals and going to the SCG, standing on the hill and watching them beat Canterbury in 74 and betting the Dragons in 75. Um, and he was taken there by his, his grandfather as well. So this is going back a long way. So um, I was, uh, I guess I was institutionalized pretty early, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was my earliest memory, which is quite funny. And then um, 
obviously that's mid nineties and then going to the turn of the century, it was a pretty good time to, to start supporting a team and because the Roosters had a pretty successful seven or eight years following on from there. So yeah, that's about my earliest memory and um, gee, it was a good choice. Without a doubt, mate, you mentioned your father and your grandfather, obviously for the listeners, your family, you guys are born and bred Bondi, aren't you? Right. Yeah. So it goes back to my father, um, my grandparents uh, and then their parents as well. So um, like I said, my, my great grandfather, my dad's father took him to, to grand finals in the mid seventies. Uh, and he was actually quite a good sportsman himself. And his, his best mate uh, was a guy called Rod O'Lone, who for the trivia people out there played for the Roosters in the thirties and has the record for the most tries scored by Chook in a match, which I believe was seven. So this is going way back to the twenties and thirties. So there's always been a connection there with my family and hear stories about that those eras like especially 74 75 and dad just recounts going to the standing on the hill with his grandfather and just talking about people like Artie Beetson and just the aura that 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 guy had on on people in the club and I mean I never saw Artie play but the way my dad talks about him and his friends talk about him I get that aura too if you understand what I mean so I guess yeah it goes back a long way and um me and plenty of my mates you know I'm not a unique story there's plenty of uh Chooks, Chooks boys from around the, around the traps and Bondi, um, who've got you know parents and, and families who've got long-standing connections too. So it's great. You mentioned that aura around uh, Artie Beetson. You know, I, I think for me when I hear older people talk, it's Artie Beetson and Wally Lewis are the two that yeah. I wish I could have seen play. I mean, you look at his look at his vision, um, or look at the vision of Artie in those mid seventies, especially when he was playing with the Chooks, because he did play for a couple of other sides, but that's kind of where he was at his peak. Um, and just his ball skills. For some, like there was just no player like that from what I've been told and what I've seen um, for a big guy. He was agile had a great pass, great vision. And I think most importantly, he, uh, from all accounts, he was one of the great leaders of all time. Um, and also a great, the first ever indigenous captain as well. I think in all sports of Australia. So, uh, just a, a landmark athlete for Australia. It's scary to think that he's an immortal of rugby league, and I think personally the modern game is more suited to his uh, playing ability than when he was actually playing. What oh, can you imagine? He'd be like in the uh, the Jake Trebojevich mould, I reckon. Uh, really crafty. He suited it to a T. And imagine him conditioned as a twenty twenty athlete as well. He'd just be something else, right? Did you ever? Uh, did you ever see him up the SFS gym playing uh, uh, squash up there? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, what a yeah, sight! Yeah. My God, he wasn't, he wasn't bad actually, was he? They reckon he was a he was a real good tennis player and he was a really good squash player. So it wasn't just rugby league that was his his thing. He was um just one of those. I mean, you wouldn't you know in twenty two thousand and five whenever I saw him, you wouldn't pick it. But he was uh, it wasn't just rugby league. He was a gifted athlete and um yeah, just what a man. Mate, I remember him playing squash up there one day watching him and. I swear to God, he could have had a table and chairs smack in the middle of the court and just yeah, sat there yeah, and just yeah. worked the corners. He was special. For sure. And also, I heard you spoke to um, Anthony Minicella a few weeks ago, and what's almost lost a little bit is he was also a great scout as well. He brought some great players to the, the Roosters, so he had, had an eye for talent too. And I think he had a lot of um, – he had a big influence on a, a lot of those those uh, Roosters players from the early 2000s. A lot of them were scouted by Artie, so his connection to the club, you know, not just from his playing days, but well beyond that too. Speaking of club legends, mate, you mentioned that your earliest memory of the Roosters is those mid-90s. Of course, that's when Brad Fittler arrives. Mm. Tell me about Freddie. Yeah, it's funny. It's Yeah, he's in, in almost a way, he's still my hero just because when I was a, a young kid, you know, you've, you've kind of foundation memories of sport or whatever. They have such an impact on you. Um, and he was just, I mean, I've heard you speak about him as well. He was just a fantastic player obviously lifted the fortunes of the Roosters or turned them around pretty much on his own along with Phil Gould. But in a similar thing to Artie Beats, and to me, he had that aura too. And um, obviously growing up in Bondi, I'd head down to the beach on a Saturday morning and they'd be doing their recovery down there and the team would be there. And he he just had that kind of presence about him. And, you'd, you know, as an eight-year-old, you'd look at him and go, well, that's, that's Freddie Fittler. And along with all those great characters on that side, they were always... Um, really patient with, with the young blokes because we just hang off them all morning, just following them around and pissing them off and asking them questions. But um, they were great players, great role models as well. And yeah, just what a player. I mean, you could talk for hours about what Freddie did and 
I think I think you're right, mate. I think immortal status has to happen for him at some stage, and I hope it does. I think he has to be an immortal, mate. Jack, if you had to pinpoint one Brad Fittler moment that stands out for his career at the Roosters, what would it be? Mm, I mean, there's a few. Uh, obviously, the O2 Premiership was was huge when he got uh, got that cut above the the eye and uh, walking back after the game was wrapped up a few minutes before full time and just with his arms raised in the air towards the faithful. That's always an enduring image for a Roosters fan. Fuck um, Vit, um, Villa Santi didn't miss him that night, did yeah, he? Yeah, he, he didn't. I reckon that probably would, would have got him eight weeks in 2020. But <laughs> I'd be Red Rover. Um, but, you know, it almost, it almost adds to the to the story of the fairy tale, right? And he kept going and obviously kicked up 40-20 after. So that was a big, big moment. But um, there was a game he... Uh, I think it must have been 2000. And like I said, I would have been about seven or eight. So my understanding of the game, that's kind of when you kind of get what's going on. And they played a prelim against the Newcastle Knights and they were down by, I think it was 16, two and a half time and we're in all sorts of Barney rubble. And you're thinking the Johns boy, the Johns brothers, Darren Albert, you know, Ben Kennedy, et cetera. God, geez, we're 101 here to run them down. But Freddie came out and just a, Absolute masterclass. He put on three tries, took an intercept off Joey, which you rarely ever see, and threw this right-to-left cutout pass to, to Matt Singh, I think it was, which I think I'd encourage people to watch it because it's just probably the best pass I've ever seen. I know the ball you're talking about. It was special, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, it just flew out of his hand like a rocket and on a flat line of defense as well. And so it went so quick and so hard and so direct out of his hands, it was just too good for the opposition to even try and bat down but it hits him on the chest and then they go and score and obviously go on to the grand final um, the next week losing but I think that set the foundation for a few more successful years after that too Mate you mentioned that 2000 grand final you essentially came up against a kangaroo side dressed in Broncos kit and then <laughs> yeah. you know the team obviously learns a lot from that Joey Johns he wins the comp in 01 with the Newcastle Knights and then 2002 rolls around and you know, it's a bit of a strange season. Of course, Canterbury won a 1,000 games in a row, then they got mm. done for the salary cap, and it really opens the door for the Roosters, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, they'd been up and about for a few years before that. Um, I think when Phil Gould was coaching there, they had, you know, extended finals runs, but never quite got the grand final. They did in 2000, and I think when Ricky Stewart came, he was the right coach for the the right time for, for the Roosters. They had experienced heads. Um, really seasoned, obviously some great players, and they just needed that. We obviously know what Sticky Stewart's like, and I think he suited that club to a T and that team to a T that time. Uh, and I think going on to winning that grand final, they won something like 10 in a row or something like that. Um, and I think they brought in that really swarming gang-tackling defence, which was a big hallmark of the early 2000s, mid-2000s. And they were kind of pioneers of that in a way with people like Adrian Morley and Fitzy, obviously, uh, Rico too. Um, and even old hardheads like Simon Benetti as well. People forget about him. He was a great player. Luke Phillips at the back too. Um, we also forget sometimes as well. So they were a real season, season side. Um and probably looking back, they probably should have won more, one more grand final, I think. Um, but, you know, you take it. You take one. Mate, we'll talk about those other grand finals in a moment. But I guess that 2002 grand final, I mean, you look back at the scoreboard, 30 to 8, and you think, oh, you know, Roosters did it easy. But I remember Stacey Jones scoring that try. And, you know, it, the, the momentum was going towards the Warriors, wasn't it? Well, it was one of the great grand final tries, wasn't it, Stacey Jones? Oh, sensational. He, he beat like six plays or something from 40 out and stepped the fullback, avoided an ankle tap. Six good uh, defenders too. There was no yeah, peanuts yeah. there. Mick, Mick Crocker was one of them. I think there was some, yeah, unbelievable try. But oh, you're right. I think it was 8-6 um, up to about the 50th minute and the big big turning point was uh, Freddie's 40-20. Uh, and then I think he put Craig Wing over for a, Craig Wing over for a try shortly after. Um, and then Villa Sandy's hit came, which kind of, kind of inspire them to keep going but you're right it was a it was a tussle right up to maybe the 60th minute but like I said before they were just a tough team they were a tough season team it was it was their time it was their year um and ended up running over the top of them and it was uh yeah it was a, for a, I mean 2002 it would have been about nine or ten and uh yeah to see you to see your club winner win a premiership at that young age if I wasn't already hooked on the roosters I was I've been given life now, <laughs> stuck for life. So, yeah, but many more good memories to come. Did you uh, did you make your way to Bondi Junction after the grand final? 
I mate, I actually can't remember. I think I, I think I may have um, been since then, obviously. Uh, but we, I do have a picture of um, the next morning, me, my brother, and my dad uh, standing on the. I think it's on the roof of our house or the the fence of our house in Bondi, all wearing our roosters jerseys with just our arms raised up, and it's just a great photo. And yeah, you look back on on those memories as a young kid, and yeah, just. Super cool. So, yeah. Mate, a crazy night in 2002, and you obviously, over the next two years, you returned to grand final day, you know, on both occasions. And unfortunately, you don't win either of those grand finals. But dare I say, I think the 04 team was better than 03, and I think the 04 and 03 team were better than 02 when you won it. It was unbelievable you only came home with one premiership. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, looking back... um, the Penrith grand final, I think they have mentioned before that the week before was against the Dogs, which was considered the grand final we never had. And they played one of the one of the greatest ever Chooks performances to to beat the Dogs that night, who are also a hot side. Um, but, I mean, you look back at the vision of that 03 grand final. Rain probably brought Penrith into them. Sorry, brought Penrith back into it. But all credit to the Panthers. That was just one of the most brutal games of football you could ever see. And it took really a performance of a lifetime by by Luke Prittis, really, to and obviously the tackle from Scott Sattler. So that was the difference between the two teams. Both just went hammer and tong, and um, Penrith were just better on the night, I think, as hard as it as it to say. But um, 0-4 is the one which, even now, it, me, it, me and my friends just shudder because we just think, oh, God, we're up 13-6 at halftime. Uh, you know, I think they completed at 60% in the second half. It was Freddie's last game, and it was just one they... Uh, I don't want to say threw away because the dogs were were a great side as well, um, but it was an opportunity I think that was was definitely definitely lost, um, and it would have it would have been nice for that era to be capped off with that premiership because the next few years after that were a bit leaner with Freddie leaving and and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a tough one the o four one in ways I haven't got over it. Mate, as I mentioned before, like I thought that, like as far as I'm concerned, it's the 2004 Roosters and probably the 2001 Eels as the best teams to never win a premiership for me. Yeah, yeah, the 01 Eels were, were, were a hot side too, weren't they? Uh, the Chooks were great that year. Yeah, they won the minor premiership too, I think. Um, and funnily enough, they nearly they nearly got knocked out the week before against the Cowboys, who were just coming onto the scene. So maybe that was an indicator, maybe that we kind of done our dash, but. Um, I still think, yeah, there was just some moments in that 04 grand final, which, um, yeah, I think would, from a fan's perspective, obviously, um, it was uh, it would have been nice to to have a finish off of the premiership there. Um, but as I said, you can't can't take it away from the dogs. They uh, they um, played a good game and, and and took it from us. So Jack, credit. obviously, you never want to lose a grand final, obviously, but. I imagine knowing that that was Freddie's last game as well as a fan, that must have been heartbreaking. Well, that was that was the worst thing because you know, 2004, I was still really young, and like I said previously, Freddie had that aura about him. He was he was my hero and stuff like that, and you just you get obsessive about it when you're that young and so passionate, and that was that was tough. I'm gonna say there were a, a few tears shed. Um, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit it, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was disappointing. Um, but at the same time, he he left. Um, he won us a lot more games. I mean, without Freddie, I should say he you know the club wouldn't have been where it was. Um, but yeah, from a fan's perspective, it would have been nice if Freddie. Freddie was sent out a premiership winner like other great players such as Mel Meninga and stuff like that, but. He left was left us with many great memories anyway, not just in those grand finals. So um, it is what it is. Dare I say, mate? I don't think the club would be what it is now if Freddie didn't arrive twenty years ago and set up that uh, um, success for the early two thousands. It really just changed the entire identity of the club, didn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, there was a few things, um, in my opinion, of course. But um, Freddie was huge. Phil Good was massive, even though he didn't. Um, he went to comp when we were there. I think his fingerprints were all over that that success in the early 2000s. You can see with Penrith right now, who have had a bit of a resurgence. Um, and I also think um, Nick Pilatus was 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 huge on our on our club. And and people forget he he'd been around the club for for quite a few years. So before we started to get some serious consistent success, so it just shows how long it does take to build up a a really strong club. 
obviously Nick Pilatus is a very influential man, but I think even he had to take a few years to understand how it works and what's a winning formula, who's a winning coach, who's the type of players you want. And so those foundations they built in the early 90s even, probably even earlier than that, um, certainly uh, paved the way for what we're seeing today. But Freddie, from a player's perspective, it was it was definitely Brad Fittler. There's, there's no question about that. 2005 rolls around the start of the Roosters era without Brad Fittler. And I guess it just shows how good he was, you know, off the top of my head, thinking of the names you had in that side, you know, you had Kalos, Crocker, Fitzgibbon, Rickardson. Minicello was the best player in the world that year. Mm. He was unbelievable. You had Finchie in the halves. You know, you just had all of this talent across the park, but still couldn't make the top eight. I think you finished ninth that year, and it just shows how good Freddie was. Yeah, of course. And, uh, and Craig Wing as well at Hooker too. Um, yeah, they were, they were still a good side, but I think you probably saw it with, with the Cowboys a couple of years ago as well uh, when Thurston left, almost left a bit of a leadership vacuum, but just someone with so much influence leaving uh, can just have such a negative effect on it on a side um, and at the same time though as well they've been up for quite a number of years obviously 02, 03, 04 but like I said from about 1996 onwards they were they were thereabouts fighting for the, for the premiership or certainly playing finals footy so they've been up for a long time um, but you're right the, the calibre of players they had in 05 was you look at it on paper and go well it's a it's a pretty good side but it just I think just shows the um, just the kind of the stature that Brad Fittler had on rugby league as well I think as well not just the Roosters and mate after that you know it's a pretty grim few years there and of course you know the the probably the one exciting point up until the 2010 grand final is when Brad Fittler takes over as coach wasn't that a whirlwind few weeks yeah they uh, I think he came in mid 07 or something after I think Chris Anderson was the coach uh initially and he uh he came out with some funny ideas. I think from memory, he uh, he trolled a, a one-marker system, which I, I don't think went down too well. But um, yeah, we were languishing down the bottom and, and Freddie came in mid-season, I think. And as you see a lot when a, a club a club changes coaches, uh, it can have a immediate effect. And I think we won, I think something like seven of our last nine games or something, just miss out in the finals. And then 08 came around uh, and I think we finished third or fourth and uh, got knocked out in the finals. But you're probably thinking, oh, it's onwards and upwards here. And then uh, 09 rolls around and uh, that last, I mean, <laughs> the wooden spoon. So that was a, that was a, that was a tough year. Mate, you mentioned uh, Chris Anderson, you know, thinking out of the box with his coaching. I remember Freddie, I remember I was at Penrith Park one day and I think it was Roosters Penrith and the game was about to kick off and they announced the team list up on the board and I know what the, you're going to say. The here. first name that came up, fullback B and Astor, and I just went, yeah. oh, nah, that must be a mistake. <laughs> I think I think he's grown as a coach since then. But he, was always, he always, you know, thought outside the box. He always had a different mind. Freddie, it's probably what made him so good, but I think that, can you imagine being Brayton Astor? Oh. I'm sitting there <laughs> oh, going, God. geez, this ground manager's in some trouble here. This isn't going to be pretty and unbelievable. Just, I mean, the one, I mean, he had plenty of, plenty of talent, uh, Brayton Astor, but I think speed was one thing he didn't have. I reckon he's flat out running 15 seconds over a hundred and uh, he, he goes out and plays fullback. I think it was one game only, but, uh, that kind of summed up that, that era or that Oh nine se- uh, season, didn't it? One game too many for Braith at fullback. <laughs> yeah, Mate, um, you know, over the next few years, 2010 rolls around and Todd Carney enters the building and, you know, he'd been banned from Canberra. He'd, you know, he'd been in all sorts and it was a huge risk, but the Roosters being the, you know, the fantastic system they are, they just got it right with TC, didn't they? Certainly for that year. I mean, you, you look back at it and he was gone the next year. Uh, so it's almost a bit of a, you know, what what could have been with, with Todd Carney, unfortunately. Um, but that year, I mean, obviously supremely talented um, and probably the same thing with Ricky Stewart was the the right coach for that early 2000s era. He was probably the right player for that team at that stage to get any sort of success. Cause you had people like um, Mitch Pierce, Jake friend, Boyd Cordner, um, you go on. And at that stage, they were only 21, 22. They were, they were kids as well. So I think Todd Carney's um, you probably call him an electric player as well. Uh, real instinctive to uh, probably suited that style of player and they got in a run. And as you see sometimes with young sides, 
it's hardest. You know, the momentum could keep going, keep going. Um, played one of the all-time great games in that that semi-final, and um, came up against the Dragons, who I think every, most people acknowledge that uh, that was that was their year, the Dragons. Um, but it was from going from 09, which was just a yeah, it was just a bit of a Barry Crocker, and to turn into 2010 and go on that run to the to the GF was yeah, it was, it was great. It was great, despite not getting the result in the big day. Speaking of that run to the grand final, mate, were you at the SFS the night that Brayton asked to kick that field goal? Yeah, mate, it was uh, my 18th birthday. Well, I was celebrating my 18th birthday, I think, from memory. Um, and we, funnily enough, we were the JWH got <laughs> his head nearly got decapitated. Jesus, what a what a hit! I can still hear it. I know. Uh, we were actually kind of getting off our seats to leave because there was about 10 seconds left from the clock or something and we had some banter with the blokes Tigers blokes behind us and said oh great game and we literally leave in the aisle and we hear this roar and they won the scrub against the feed and it was a bit chaotic and then somehow the ball ends up in, in Brace hands what 35 out near on the sideline and he just <laughs> just slots it and uh, obviously extra time and Skidsy runs the length so it was I mean what a what a what a match to be a, a supporter of a team, like one of the great games. But sometimes I do think, fuck, imagine being a Tiger supporter. Oh, that mate, such a <laughs> moment in horrible. rugby league for everyone outside of a Tigers fan. It just would have been heartbreaking because, fuck, they had a team that year. They were a good side. And they nearly knocked off the Dragons in the prelim, didn't they? They had a really, really good side. I think Gareth Ellis was in the second row and he was one of the best back rowers in the game at that stage. Benji at his peak. Robbie Farrer as well. Uh, they had a really good side. And, um, yeah, that probably almost ruined their premiership chances, even though they got close to knocking the Dragons off. It's pretty hard to go um, go four weeks in a row anyway to win a comp. But yeah, oh, they were a good side. I have no doubt St. George Illawarra were cheering on the Roosters that night because that Tigers side, they would have been scary in the grand final. Well, it's like when the Chooks have made the grand final the last couple of years. And if we've been the team that qualifies first for the grand final, the next night, all I'm hoping for is a game that goes for 120 minutes, golden point, injuries, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, emotional roller coaster, And that's probably what Dragons fans were like that too because they knew Tigers were one of their main threats and uh, a 100-minute epic, you know, brutal epic game uh, probably would have dented their chances that year, the Tigers. Mate, that was 2010. You only had to wait three more years until you were in a grand final again. Uh, the Roosters, you know, they signed one of their local juniors, Sonny Bill Williams, for the 2013 season. Mm. Explain to me what he meant to you. Well, it was it was funny. Um, we came off two pretty crap years as well, 2011, 2012. So we've had a lot of success over the last, you know, 20 years, but there's been some, some downsides as well. I think they've built some strong foundations there. Um but I think when Sonny Bill came in, he he heard Trent Robinson and some of the players from from back then speak about him, and just what he brought to the team. Obviously, on the field, he's in my opinion, he's he's New Zealand's greatest ever athlete, um, or certainly in the conversation. So he's he's one of the great player rugby league players we've seen. But just professionalism as well. Obviously, people have heard this all before, um, but I've heard stories about things like. Um, you know, in team meetings or video sessions, he'd bring in a, a, a pen and pad and the young Mitchell Pierce or Jake friend looks across and goes, Oh, well, that's what he does. Oh, okay. And they all do that now, apparently um, rocking up to training half an hour before and, and stretching and doing a little extras and making sure your preparation is, is on song. I think that's his biggest imprint. Obviously he probably won us. He went close to winning us the grand final that night in the second half. Cause he had a bit of a shocker in the first half, but as champions do, he just came out and, there were a couple of big moments in that second half against Manly in the 13 grand final and who was there, but Sonny Bill Williams. So on the field, huge for those two years off the field to use and beyond. Mate, obviously Sonny Bill Williams arrives. There was two other guys that arrived in Bondi that had a huge impact. James Maloney and Michael Jennings. I think they both played probably their career best footy that year in 2013. Yeah, for sure. For sure. James, I mean, we probably didn't even realise in a way of good one he was because he, he left the Roosters two or three years later. Um, I can't exactly remember what the reasoning was and went to the Sharks. But as we know, he was just a winner. And everywhere he's gone so far, there's been at least some level of success. And what a player. And I mean, I'm sure the Warriors are still kicking themselves all those years ago now as well. 
but he brought just composure, I thought, a cool head in a team that was still relatively young. Obviously, they had people like Minicello and Sonny Bill came, but, you know, Mitch Pierce and Jake Fred, Aiden Guerra, all these people were still relatively young and someone like James Maloney comes in, bit of a larrikin, but on the field, he's steady. He's really, really steady, but also brilliant. Um, so he was huge, obviously, and probably went close to the Clive Churchill that night, actually. And Jennings was the other one, wasn't it? And one thing you can't do is you can't can't teach speed, right? And he's about as quick as they come. Um, so I'm pretty sure he just parked himself next to Sunnyville. And I don't know how many offloads he received from him in space, but there would have been a few. So yeah, those three signings, you're right. They built a lot of foundations leading up to 2013. The really good thing about the Roosters is especially recruitment, the three they got that year, they were bang on. And I, I reckon you could count on one hand the recruitment decisions they've made, which have been bad. I think you see that with a lot of clubs. They usually get it right, and they got it right that year. Mate, the other guy they recruited, obviously, who we haven't really spoken about him yet. I mean, in 02, Ricky Stewart came on, and he won the premiership in his first year. Of course, 2013 was Trent Robinson's first year as head coach. He won the premiership as well. Robbo has just been massive, hasn't he? Unbelievable. He's... Uh... Who would have thought even even all the diehards would probably would have said in 2013, oh, gee, I think some people would have known he was the defensive coach from a couple of years ago, but it was certainly a bit of a surprise. Um, again, I mean, they've just, obviously, Trent Robinson's a special coach, um, but the decision to, to, um, to hire him from the club hierarchy was spot on. It was brave as well, a rookie coach. He just come from Catalans, I think, in the in the in yep. uh, that French team in the Super League. But it's funny you hear some stories, and I've I've heard some stories from around the traps that he was only there for a couple of years with Brian Smith, but the players loved him even from back then. So I think when he was floated as a possible candidate back in 2013, the players were were dead keen, and obviously for, for the right reason. But I did hear a story when uh, his first contract expired. And he'd just come off a premiership and probably two minor premierships. So this is probably 2015, 2016. And you're probably thinking, oh, the Roosters will just open checkbook. But apparently before he signed the contract, he went around to the senior players and said, oh, I've got this contract. Are you happy for me to stay here? Which I think is just a, an amazing point of view from a coach who could pretty much ask for his salary and go wherever he wanted. But he wanted to make sure that the playing group that was there wanted him there. And I think he wants to know, he wanted to know if he can help them get better or keep getting them getting them better. And obviously he has. But I think that's a that's a great story, I think, um, that, a, that a head coach would, would go to the senior players and, and, you know, just make sure that, you know, we've had some success, but, you know, you're happy to have me around still. And I'm pretty sure they said yes faster than you saying bold over Anji. So. No doubt, mate. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming you're probably slightly biased, but... You know, the old Trent Robinson, Craig Bellamy argument. For you, has Trent Robinson overtaken Craig Bellamy? Depends. I think it depends on the criteria. I think for sustained, sustained success, um, Bellamy hasn't missed the final since, was it 04 or something stupid? I mean, something really, something absurd. That's a ridiculous record. He's an unbelievable coach, Bellamy. Um, and in, in his defense as well, he's lost some high quality players over the last seven or eight years, right? For sure. Stepping, yeah. back, to, stepping back to Greg Inglis. Um, and then slowly over time losing Cooper, Billy, um, and even old hardheads like Mick Crocker and Jeremy Smith who were at their peak and stuff. So he's had a massive turnover of players, but it's, they don't miss a beat. And it's quite funny how they, every year, Melbourne team, different players come in, but they all play the same way. It's just uh, a system, isn't su- it? Yeah. Success in the field. Um, but I guess probably from a premiership point of view, certainly the last eight or nine years, it's it's been been Robo. So- hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. That's pretty hard to argue. They're both great coaches and they're, they're both going to be in the conversation, in my opinion, is two of the greats up there with Jack Gibson and and others. But at the moment, you'd have to say just because back-to-back 
Storm would try to do that a few times and haven't been able to do that. Robbo's done that. Um, quite a few minor premierships too. So uh, your original hypothesis was, yes, I am biased. And yes, it's Trent Robinson. <laughs> Mate, obviously you mentioned Craig Bellamy that, you know, he's had a lot of players leave and he's still been able to, you know, produce success. I mean, mm. if the Roosters were to win a comp in the next two or three years and you were to look back and think about the amount, like he had, Trent Robinson had Mitch Pierce, Sonny Bill Williams leave the building. He then had Cooper Cronk arrive, Latrell Mitchell burst onto the scene. If, you know, if they win a comp now after those two leave, it's pretty impressive on the resume, isn't it? Well, I'd say the turnover of players from 2013 to 2018 was huge anyway. Yeah. I think there was only a handful left over from, from that group, so Minicello I mean, retires. Like he, he he's lost his yeah. fair share of players. As oh well. yeah, yeah, and don't and don't forget as well. Um, they groomed to us, Sheck, for example, to take over that fullback role. Yeah, I think uh, one year into it, he he took off to the to the Warriors. So that kind of threw their plans a bit, actually. And the one question I actually think about was, um, imagine if Rod Roger had stayed at the Chooks. I wonder if success. Would have been the same. I was going to say you can't be too upset that Rogers left your squad when you've landed on your <laughs> yeah, feet. Yeah, He's now. handy. Not, not, not now. But um, you're right. The, the turnover of players was um, huge. Um, again, they just they've got a good core group of players standing back probably now to, to friend and, and Cordner who've been around there the longest, and they've got a good core group of players, really good players as well, like people like Isaac Liu. Um, Jared just gets better every year as well. So players like that, and then they just nail the recruitment. And I, I just the the balls of them to say in twenty end of twenty seventeen, you got an Origin halfback. I mean, he's said knock him all you like. He's in the he's in the conversation as one of the best halves in the game, which appears certainly in clubland. And for your coach and your chairman to say, we've made the prelims last year or so, we want better to discard him and go Cooper Cronk. I can't name a club that would do that. To be honest, it'd be like it'd be like South ditching Adam Reynolds for Cooper Cronk. Mate, it, it's the thing with the Roosters that separates from the pack. They're in the premiership business, not the friends business, yeah. and it just you know they're they're just an amazing system. The way that it's they, a, it's a ballsy decision, right? Oh, it's, mate, without a doubt, yeah. And and, yeah. and that was when Pierce was on the verge of you know playing his absolute best mm. footy, and anyone could see it. It was it was a ballsy play, but I mean, if Cooper Cronk comes knocking, you're not going to answer the door, are you? Well, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, he was 33 as well. And, I mean, and he, even some diehard supporters, not me, I was broadly supportive of Cooper coming, obviously. But even some, you know, supporters were like, what, Piercy? You know, we, we can't we can't get rid of him. And, our oh, Cooper's 33. La-da-da-da. And it just shows why <laughs> supporters are probably best off supporting <laughs> because <laughs> Robbo knows what he's doing. Um, but, yeah. Mate, before we dive into the 2018-29 uh, premierships, take me back to that 2013, the grand final, the siren goes. You know, you're now over the age of 18. You're allowed to go out after. You're not in a kidney more. How did that night unfold? I imagine it would have been chaos. Yeah, it was a big night. It was a big night. Um, it's funny. It was almost – it was great. I'd obviously seen 2002. Um, got full memories. But it was also great to uh, experience a, a grand final win – as an adult, because you understand what it takes to go into win a premiership. So when you kind of realize, um, I grew up and seen them playing grand finals and, and, and won one and oh two. And then you get to a bit older, haven't watched the game for 15, 20 years. And you realize how bloody hard it is to, to win a comp. So great night that night, but it was satisfying as well to say, oh, I've actually seen them win a comp now. Like I saw them in O two, but I understand what goes into it. And they've won one, but, um, it was a great night. Actually I went out with, um, good mate of mine and, and his old man and my dad and, and my family. Um, it was funny, actually, maybe, I don't think 2013 was as big as 2018 and 2019, <laughs> to be honest, but um, and it was a great night. And to, especially because we were, we were down by 10 points, I think, actually, with, with 20 to go. So Against it, a bloody good side, too. That team, they were stacked, that man yeah, side. Season, season team as well. And down by 10 points with, with 20 to go against a team full Full of the Stewart brothers, uh, Jamie Lyon, Matt Watmore, Kieran Four, and Cherry Evans. You're going, gee, this will be tough. And uh, 20 minutes of brilliance got us home. But yeah, that was a that was a great night, mate. From the highs of 2013, I, you mistake me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you'll know better than me. Is it 2016 where the team struggles a little bit? That was a shocker. Yeah, that was a that was a yeah. It was a, you look you certainly look in the last eight years and you go, 
grand final win, minor premiership, minor premiership, 15th. <laughs> What's doing? <laughs> the third premiership, premiership. You look at the paper and go, what? But um, that was a that was a bad year. Uh, I, I do remember um, sitting out at the SFS because I was still trying to go to every home game and watching him play Melbourne on a cold Saturday night. And they put, they put close to 50 on us. And to rub it in, Smith takes a conversion from the sideline, slips over. I still hits up. And still yeah. nails it. And that kind of summed up our season. But um, you do hear Trent Robinson speak about that year saying uh, he talked to Nick Politis in the hierarchy before the year and said, this year is going to be a tough one, but it's the year we need to have to get where we want to go to. And I mean, I think he's bang on there, but it was a, it was a funny old one because we had so much success before that. And then went straight back down the bottom and then straight back up to the top, which is happens quite often with the roosters actually. The yo-yo effect. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. Mate, uh, the guy I forgot to ask you about, obviously he was your captain in the 2013 grand final. Uh, I believe you retired at the end of 2014. Um, if he's not the most capped rooster, he's he's second to um, Luke Rickardson by a handful of games. Anthony Minicello, tell me about him. Well, I think he's, I think he's beaten Rico by one game. And poor old Mitch Orbison, I think, stranded one game behind Mini and might not be able to break that record. Yeah, that could be Red Rover there. Yeah, that'd be a real shame for poor Lobo. Um, but yeah, he it's funny. He's a, originally a Western Sydney boy, but he's almost uh, the king of North Bondi now, especially to, to me and all my footy mates and people who love the, love the Roosters. He was, uh, he was great to watch as well, especially the early 2000s, the way he played the game. He was really quick. He was like a pinball as well to put his body on the line um, and then to come back from all those injuries too and then end up winning a premiership. Quite amazing. I heard, heard you speak to him a couple of weeks ago and the ordeal he went through just to get him back on the field. I mean, I think most players would, would throw on the towel. But um, Mate, it's amazing to think he could have played 300 games considering I, th- I think I, when, when I spoke to him, he played 25 games over those four years or something and he still knocked over 300. Just unbelievable. Could have got close to 400, right? Mate, realistically, it, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it sounds crazy to say, oh, if he would have played all those games, but that's what he was doing every other fucking year. Yeah, he was correct, playing 23 correct. games. Yeah, yeah. And so. back to 2013, 2014, when he was fit again, he was there every week. Played Origin as well in that era too. Yep. 2011, yeah, 2012. Came back. So, so, I mean, he was getting on, but he was still still absolutely, you know, mixing it with the best of them, that's for sure. I believe, mate, uh, he, uh, he needed a lift to a game one day. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, he, uh, so, I had a, a, a mate of mine who was playing for the Chooks back in 2014. Um, it was the day of the World Club Challenge, which was at the SFS that year. And he, he called me up and said, uh, oh, mate, can you give me a lift to, um, can you give me a lift for the team hotel? Because they go to the hotel day of the game to prepare. I said, yeah, mate, of course. So I think he came to my house or I picked him up and we get in the car and he says, oh, we got, we, we got to pick someone else up. And I'm going, Okay. And end up just being around the corner from my house, this other bloke's house, and we get out the front there and um, just painting the picture. I'm 21 at the time, so cash flow is pretty crap. And I'm getting around in a, a two-door Holden Astra, make year 2000 door, no electric windows, a tiny little thing. Anyway, uh, out the front of this guy's house and who walks out but Anthony, the Catman Minicello, and I'm going, like, how cool is this? But then at the same time, just mortified because I'm like, I'm dropping the cat man, the captain of the roosters to the world club challenge in a two door Astra. This is, <laughs> this is fucking horrible. And he comes out with his kit bag and my mate was too big. He was a bigger dude. So he couldn't get in the back. So Minicello's, you know, has to sit in the back in the two door, no windows and packed with all his kit. And then we're driving down Sid Ironfeld drive on the way to the stadium on the way to the city. And he got recognised as well. Someone was waving to him. And I'm just going, oh, God, Jesus. Even I don't think Uber would even make that car roadworthy. That's how bad it was. <laughs> and, and I gave him a lift. But so, and they ended up winning that night by, by fair space. So I, I like to think that I, I contributed. Uh, I, got, I got him there safely. So, so, yeah, I'll take it. You'll take one Deli M point for it? I will. Oh, I think at least two. Mate, the, the day that I spoke to him, he was an absolute champion. I imagine he, he was the same then. Yeah, I mean... Especially um, those early two thousands too. I know I keep harping back on, back about them, but the glory days. Was, yeah, 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 glory days. But they were great, a great bunch of guys as well. Really, team of a really good team, but great characters as well. You had, um, I mean, I can list them all off, but um, 
you'd see him down at the beach and things like that, and they'd give you the time of day. Brett Finch was another really friendly guy. He was really good to to young Rooster fans down at Bono. I think he even remembered our name or something like that. And you, you got to understand as a 10-year-old and the halfback for the Roosters knows your name, you go to school feeling... 10 feet tall, right? And just saying, oh, Finch, you knew who I was. And and now as an adult, it's even more impressive that Brett yeah, Finch remembered is, your is, name. It, it, it is, yeah. And, uh, Couldn't remember his own name sometimes, I think. Poor old Finchy. Yeah, poor old Finchy. And funnily enough, I uh, the, the street we lived on in North Bondi at that time was the same street as the House of Grouse. So, I mean, I was too young to, to figure out what was going on there, but four or five Roosters players in their early 20s uh, and you know, between 2000 and 2004, I've got a fair idea of what was <laughs> what was happening in there now. <laughs> Thank God Tinder wasn't around. My God. Oh God, yeah. But uh, gee, I would have liked to have been them. That's for sure. Mate, obviously Cooper Cronk arrives 2018. Um, it's the start of you know a record-breaking run for you guys. You know, no one's gone back to back since the Broncos of the early 90s. Just uh, <laughs> unbelievable stuff, wasn't it? I mean, especially in the in the modern era as well where I mean what was 92, 93 so 27 won the premiership right been able to do it yeah. and they did it um, which is quite amazing really to yeah like I said in the modern era especially that night against Canberra I know they they um, there's obviously some conjecture about that but they were up against that whole second half and it took a champion team I think to get up over the line I mean, seven minutes ago, they mean, I think, didn't, didn't think they had a, a set in Canberra's 20 that whole second half. And um, to go the length with seven minutes to go. Um, and obviously, I think it was the last time Latrell Mitchell touched the balls at Shulkin. It was a it was a pretty nice touch, that flick pass to, to Toops. And I think what's lost in that try as well is, uh, obviously, Teddy's backing up, but Toops is passed back on the inside at speed, which is perfect. Hits yeah. Teddy on the chest. I mean, if that goes, you know, half a foot behind Teddy, but Toops down the sideline composure and hits Teddy on the chest and that's thereabouts my favourite Roosters memory actually um, Man, I, I think that try I think the most underrated bit about it is when Boyd Cordner when he knows Joey Leilua takes his legs and he knows he's on his elbows you just see all the Roosters go yeah we've won this tackle no marker we know what to do and Luke Keary just sums it up in a split second and you're right that that pass from Latrell he caught that on his right hip yep. flicked it with his like just it just had Roosters written all over it didn't it yeah, it was beautiful. And I think you could see the front vision of of that try when Luke Keery's at uh, at dummy half. And you see him glance up, glances back down. And then just before he picks the ball up, he glances again. And he goes, I'm going here. And he takes off, draw, and just brings in Caesar. I think he was on the on the wing or something. And it was just a, just a magic play. A magic play to, you know, after 70 minutes of, of real brutality. It was a tough game. It was a, it was a ding-dong battle. And I think for... But it took a champion team to to pull themselves off the canvas. I know people harp back on that. That six again. Um, but there were, as Trent Robinson said, there were plenty of controversial moments in that game for both sides. There were plenty of fifty-fifty decisions that went either way. Um, like when you talk about Cooper Cronk's Simbin, uh, Luke Kiry's leg has got taken out by Soliola early. But the Chooks took the opportunity. The Chooks were the one to grab the game, and they did. And Canberra could have, and the Chooks were. Yeah, they were just good enough to do it. And it was, a, I think, one of the great grand final tries, but probably going to be overlooked. But as a Roosters fan, that's fine. Uh, I'll take the I'll take the trophy. Mate, I think the other massive, you know, that 10-minute period where you were a man down, like, especially a man down, like that Canberra team, they've just got points everywhere. And the way you guys defended for that 10 minutes, that's why like, I find it so hard to listen to people tell me that the Raiders were robbed. I was like, geez, you had 10 minutes. With an extra man on the field, you didn't take advantage of it. As soon as the Roosters had 13, they jumped you straight away. Like, you've got to take yeah. your opportunities that are there. And I spoke to Brett White, the, the Raiders' assistant coach, and that's essentially what he said too. He said, you know, we've got to learn to play the whistle, keep playing footy, not get frustrated. And, you know, I, I think it was a really harsh lesson for the Raiders that night. Well, they dropped their – they didn't drop their heads, but I reckon they dropped their guards for a split second. And that's, I mean, that's all what, it takes. And that, that's, and that was the difference. And you're right. There was a few things. Uh, the whole second half, they had they had won the possession game. They had won the territory game. They were there for the taking the Roosters. There was a big moment as well. We sometimes forget. Le Lua probably could have put Rapana or Rapana over there. I think just before Cooper came back on the field. So drawing pass, it's it, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I, don't, I can't see us coming back after that. 
So you're right. They they had more than enough opportunity, Canberra, to win that game. And I reckon against most teams, they do win that game. Um, but like I said, I think the I mean, people are going to be probably screaming through their headphones because you know. But uh, they were they were a champion side. I mean, they won two in a row, and that it's you know gather every kind of of their champion like qualities to get over the line that night. And they were hanging on, they were hanging on. They got in front and they won. It was a special night. Mate, obviously that was 2019. A year before that, 2018, I don't think I've ever seen a Melbourne side. It was, they, they just had no answers, did they? Yeah, and neither did um, even Southwick before as well. I think you remember that was a huge game uh, in the prelim. Last game at the SFS or the old SFS now. And we actually shut out the Rabbitohs. I think the score was 12-4 or something, but they didn't score a try. So the running, in a way, was on the wall. Um, but none of us, you know, would have expected that in the in the grand final. We went there. I went there reasonably confident. But, I mean, if it wasn't for a, a loose pass from, I think, it would have been Kiri and Adokar went the length, I, I couldn't see Smelman scoring that night. Yeah. Um, it was a big win, wasn't it? And I think they were red-hot favourites as well, Melbourne. It was just a perfect... Perfect half of footy as well, and obviously what Cooper did as well. I mean, it's almost not what he did on the field, but, you know, the presence he had, and obviously they had him on the blind side that whole game and uses a, a diversion or a, or a decoy. Um, but even for him just to get out there was, was pretty crazy against his old side. But, yeah, near on, certainly that first half was close to about, was as close to 40 minutes of, of rugby league perfection, I'd say. Mate, obviously, we mentioned him in the 2019 grand final that he got into dummy half and he saw the opportunity and he created the match-winning try. 2018, Luke Keary, Clive Churchill medalist. You know, it must feel extra special that you've also got him from South Sydney. You, you must yeah. enjoy that just quietly. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it, it does. It's uh, fitting. It is quite sweet that not only is he from South, but he was punted by their Hollywood superstar chairman. Uh <laughs> Which is something I'm, I'm sure they're living to regret. Um, but yeah, what a gem. I mean, well, we always knew he could play, but um, I don't know if it's change of scenery or he's just thrived under Robbo. Obviously, great players around him, but there's an argument to say he's in the top three players in the game, if not the best. I know he's injured at the moment, but especially at the start of the year. I mean, for a small guy as well, he's tough. Uh, really good defender as well. And just sees the game as, as well as anyone. And his kicking game is brilliant too. So as a half, he ticks off all the boxes. Um, but you're right. It was, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I think Roos's fans, well, I like to think we we obviously love beating South and we don't really like them, but South really, really hate us. So that's why it's quite sweet that uh, the, you know, the Clive Churchill medalist, two-time premiership winner, uh, came from the, uh, the old rival. Mate, obviously, I imagine after those grand finals, it was two pretty big nights out. Which one was the biggest? Which one was the biggest? Um, well, we there were big days as well. So we, a bunch of uh, our mates, we organised a bus from East Rugby Club, which is down on just next to Bondi, and we all met at the Beach Road Hotel about twelve or one. And you know, I get ready, get get loose, you know, just have a few beers, settle the nerves, you know, take the edge off. Come four o'clock, you might have had you know seven or eight schooners, and you get up the bus out four there. Four o'clock's nine got, o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> And then we've got the speaker playing. We're just blasting uh, Rooster Man uh, the whole way out. Um, and then, obviously, get to the game. More beers. You win. You know, God, this is this is good. And then the bus trip back, actually, is almost as good as the, the game. We've done it two years in a row now. Obviously, not this year it's going to happen. But, yeah, the games are great. But the, the bus ride back with just all your mates and some, some of our mates' dads got on the bus and you're just so happy and pumped and just know you won the comp and... Uh, yeah, it was uh, a lot of language on there. I w- probably wouldn't broadcast what was said on this podcast, but um, yeah, fun. yeah, great night, great, great night. <laughs> where did the uh, where did the bus drop you back to? Did it drop you into Bondi Junction? Are you uh, heading back down to Bondi? What's the go? Well, the problem is, and I want to talk to Peter Villani's about this, but um, it's on a Sunday night. <laughs> oh, here's a couple of next, heavy hitters getting next, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure PVO is listening. Um, leave you a fool if he's not. But Sunday night, the day before a public holiday, so you get back and everything's fucking closed. Yeah, which is a real shame. Um, but there's usually a mate of ours who's got a, a house that he's willing to to stump up for a few hours after. So, mate, it's yeah. always the story after grand final every year. I get back and go, fuck public holiday this happened last year too i've got nothing it's happened again <laughs> and even i think even in 2018 um we uh 
we got back and we were driving past, driving through Bondi. We're like, shit, where can we go? And we were like, surely the Bondi Hotel's open. And people who live around, around Bondi know the Bondi Hotel's a pub near the beach or on the beach that's open till about five in the morning. And even that was closed. So, um, yeah, PVO, mate, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, um, got my number, Guru, so pass it on, Tim. Mate, um, you mentioned your your mates that get the bus for the grand final. I believe you've done a few trips up to uh, Newcastle each year. Is that right? Yeah, so we did um, – t- 2018, we, we first started it. So we um, – it initially just started as a, f- a mate of mine started a um, just a Facebook group, and he just invited, you know, 10 or 15 of us, and it was just basically a – a forum for us uneducated just to spurt our opinions and think what, you know, just talk rubbish about the roosters really. And then we kind of grew from there and thought, Oh, maybe we should go up to Newcastle. That'd be a good night out. And so we thought, okay, so there's about 20 of us all went up there and all local boys, all diehard chooks and served an Airbnb and watched the, watched the roosters play at um, marathon stadium. And um, it's, gone from there uh we made up some t-shirts it was a bit of a it's a bit of a piss take really uh, that's how it started anyway but it's kind of gained a bit of traction because grand final week they did a uh, they did a story of us in the herald there's a picture of us walking along bondo Beach <laughs> and i mean we are diehards and they you know it's always like oh we're called the no, we call ourselves I'll, I'll make this clear originally as a piss take but the tricolor syndicate and the journos always make it out as we're just you know just diehards, diehards, which we are, but it was really just an avenue for us to go out with our mates and just get on the beers and go to the footy. But, um, so, but yeah, it's been quite funny. It's great. It's cool. All, all my mates and other diehards as well. We all, all met up at the pub before the game, usually in Paddington when obviously not with COVID at the moment, but um, a few beers before and just a, just a way to, meet up with your mates and, and have a good time. Watch watch the team that you support. Mate, obviously this year, injuries, uh, you know, you're going for your third premiership in a row. I think, you know, it shocked me last year when I watched the Roosters go back-to-back. They just – there seemed to be no premiership hangover, which I see mm. in every other team fucking ever. Didn't seem to happen to you guys last year. Do you think we're starting to see it a little bit now? It's going to be hard. I think if they, if they can – this year's a funny old year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how history will look back at 2020. Um, but if they were to get up this year, it'd be, oh God, it's going to be really tough. But it'd be up there with their greatest achievement, I reckon. I mean, we were talking before about the injury list, which ridiculous. I mean, obviously, there's two early season injuries for for Radley and Verrills, who was always going to be, I think it was, having Verrills in the team was as big for Jake Friend as it was for Sam Verrills. Yep. And that's been a big loss. So Jake Friend has to, has to you know, take on the 80 minutes every week. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, Cordner for ages, Crichton now, Hargrave has been out for ages, Kiri now, Lockie Lamb has just come in, uh, Orbo's probably gone for the season, Tupo. Um, I've probably missed her a four, to be honest. But, oh, mate, um, and, and like, you know, we, we could name this list, and I think it's 13 guys altogether, and I can't believe Jake Friend's not one of them. If you said to me at the start of the year, the Roosters are going to have 13 injuries, I would have put my house on one of them was going to be Jakey Friend. Like, fuck, he's done well this year. He's a warrior, isn't he? I mean, he had an injury, uh, interrupted season last year due to injury, um, and he's just, he typifies what being a Roosters is about, but it's a... I think you're right. It's a heavy workload for him because he's at the moment he's the most senior player, um, and there's a lot of young kids around that side now. Even players like Satili Tupanu, who I think is a great, t- he's going to be a really top line player. But the fact that people like JWH now Orba aren't going to be out there, I think we underestimate how important that is for up and coming players to have that experience head next year. So the next couple of weeks are going to be really big for the Chooks. I think they've got the Tigers and the uh, and the, the Bronx coming up. I think. Um, so they can bank them and hopefully start getting some troops back. Hopefully we can we can stay in the top four. I think if we're in the top four and we're as healthy as we can be, um, I'll give ourselves a good chance because those those players would have come back for injury relatively f- fresh, ready to go for six weeks. And I think we were speaking before as well. I'd, I'd be pretty confident, you know, week one of the finals, reasonably fit playing against Penrith or Parramatta. And it's the same with the Storm as well. I'm I'm pretty keen on the Storm this year. If the Roosters aren't going to win, I think the Storm are up to it, up to it to their eyeballs as well. Mate, you mentioned obviously a lot of injured players. Obviously, Sonny Bill Williams walked back into the camp this week. Now, you know he's not the man that he left in 2013. But I think what you mentioned earlier about what he brings off the field, 
Mm. I'm not sure if energy-wise there could have been anyone better to walk back into that team right now. It'll be like a, it'll be like an electric shock, right? Yeah. You just kind of players are probably sitting there going, "Oh shit!" You know, Indra, oh, you know, Orbo's gone now. Kiri's gone. Sonny Bill's coming back, and you're right. He's not obviously what he was in 2013. Oh, we, we haven't seen him play yet, but um, oh, he's not going to disgrace himself. I mean, that's that's yeah. one thing we know. He's a out and out champion. But you're right. He's I've heard this analogy years before, but um, he's the kind of guy when you strap him on your boot for a game and you look across the hall or the change room and there's Sonny Bill. And I reckon everyone has that, all levels of sport. There's always yeah. someone in your in your team that's the leader and there's someone that you look to. And he's going to be that he's going to be that figure in the side, and it's much needed right now, I think as well. Um, and he'll he'll go there do a job. I'd say he'll play in the middle somewhere. Um, they're not going to ask him to win, win us games. Not going to ask him to do anything more than make your tackles, run hard, cheeky offload if you can. But you're right; it's yeah, opportunistic for the Roosters to have someone like Sonny Bill coming back. And like I said, if we get some of our troops back come finals time, he's just going to he'll, he'll only add good things, Sonny Bill. Mate, I, I think for you guys, you know, as you said, they're all going to come back fresh. I think semi-final footy when they are putting the boots on and your young blokes have a look across the change room and Sonny Bill is sitting there. Mate, in finals footy, it's just going to be massive, I think. He, you know, as, like, I, I'm not sure what you think, but I, I probably can't see him playing more than 30, 35 minutes a game. But I think it's what he's going to bring for the, the seven days leading up to the game that's just going to be make the huge difference for the Roosters. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought more than 30, probably off the bench. But he can do a variety of roles as well. He's pretty he's pretty versatile. I'm assuming he'll, he'll play in the middle, but if he was asked to do a job on the edge, he could do it. Um, and you're right. He, in a big game, they're the players you look to. But at the same time, to be fair to the, the current Rooster side, there's a few of them now. I, I think someone like JWH, who's been around there for a long time, I think probably not that Sonny Bill level, but he's a he's a player that the young, young blokes look to and go, oh, shit. Well, he's here, he's ready to go. Boyd Corden, I reckon, as well, almost reached, he's probably reached that level too. So there's a few of them, but the fact that they've been injured and it's been a disrupted year, just to have someone, just that extra person, that extra hard head, wise head, uh, influential figure in your in your team. Like, yeah, it's just a, at a perfect time. And um, I mean, obviously time will tell if um, we go on and win it. But I tell you what, if, if Sonny Bill comes back and, comes back from the Chooks three weeks out of three or four weeks out from the finals and walks away with another premiership ring. There is one of the great stories, right? And probably the biggest achievement of his career almost. Without a doubt. Mate, the, the other guy you mentioned that I know he's the Roosters captain. I know he's the Blues captain. I know he's the Kangaroos captain. I still think Cordner is extremely underrated in the modern game. You know, like I, I've obviously got my Instagram page and I have people constantly talking about second rollers and it's all for feeder. It's kick out. It's these explosive guys. Mate, Cordner hasn't lost a contest in about eight fucking years. He is just, he's the king of finding elbows and knees. He just gets a job done every single time. I, I don't know if there's a more reliable guy in the NRL than Boyd Cordner. Oh, well, and people forget as well, he's been around, I think he played his first, first grade game in a trial match back in 08 or something like that. He was 16. He was young, yeah. And it's not like he started off in the wing or something like that. And he's been a, a hard hitting, hard running back row for, you know, well known on 12 years and he's battered, but he's just a warrior. What a player. And he's brilliant as well. I think if you watch him closely, he's great at when he takes a hit up, he always finds, or a lot of the time he'll find space between the two defenders. So he lands on his stomach to get up a quick play of the ball. It's pretty, it's he's pretty the king of elbows him. and knees. He finds it every yep. time. Yeah, exactly right. Which I mean, to the naked eye, you kind of, it's probably something you pass over, but he's got the ability just to get up straight off his stomach sometimes quick play the ball as well, which just sets up our sets. Cause he usually takes the first or second hit up from a set and you set a six. And I think people, I mean, they probably don't miss it, but I think it's an underrated aspect of his game. Um, it's, and there's plenty of back rows out there and they don't do it as well as he does. Um, you're right. Always lands, find his knees, find his, find his elbows. And that's probably why the Roosters love him, obviously. Oh, without a doubt, mate, the last guy I want to ask you about um, he's obviously going to come back into the side this week. He's missed the last few weeks. Robbo hasn't been picking him. Kyle Flanagan, what sort of a future do you see there? Yeah, it's funny because I think I, I was thinking and all my mates and stuff were thinking that he was he was playing pretty well and doing well. He seemed pretty composed. Looked like he was getting better each week, but obviously the coaching stuff 
saw things we probably weren't seeing, which is probably completely accurate. Um, but I mean, name me a name me a champion player or a great player that hasn't been dropped along the way, and I reckon there's not many at all. Um, I mean, recently, I mean, Rob has shown that he's willing to to do that to young kids. He dropped Latrell Mitchell a few years ago, and that was almost the making of him. That set him up for the next two years, and up next year he was playing Origin and for Australia and winning winning grand finals. I like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good player, a strong player. And people forget though, he's he's only played. I don't think he's played twenty first grade games. Yeah, he's yet. played less than twenty. Yeah, I think he arrived there with with single digit games. So he yeah, could so be he's played, he's, he's played bugger all first grade. Yeah, so let's not nothing. forget that. Yeah. So it's it's often we see in the modern modern day game that young kids will come into first grade. They'll come in and out for a while. They'll play a stretch of six or eight games and come back out. So he's no different in that regard. Um, but Mate, at the end of the day, for halves, you know your, your first sixty games for halves in the NRL, you, you're just trying to find your fucking feet, aren't you? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Ask any any champion half that's the same. There's obviously a few outliers, like your Freddie Fitless, etc. And uh, even Jonathan Thurston, he played off the bench for a while. The dogs had to leave. The dogs to get a start at the Cowboys and the rest. Even of Brad history. Fittler, though, you know he came in as a center, then a lock, and then he moved his way into the halves. So Flanagan to come in and play halfback with. Like, I, I couldn't think of anything worse than being a 19-year-old and having to grab Brett Morris, Josh Morris, Boyd Cordner, like all these guys that have played 200-plus games, 20 test matches, and, you know, tell them where to be. Uh, mate, I think what he's done has been incredibly impressive. Yeah, it's a it's a big job, isn't it? And I think most definitely it's not it's not a sign he's on the outer at the Roosters or it's yeah. not a sign he's not going to make the, you know, make the grade. It's uh, I think it's the opposite. I think it's just part of the development now. And, and players, are, players are better managed these days as well, and I think, staff and the good ones, the good coaches generally know what they're doing and they get it more right than they get it wrong. And as we've said many times <clears throat> so far, how how much we admire Robinson and what he does, I mean, you, you couldn't question him. But it, it, it was a surprise. Um, and it's a shame for Lockie Lamb as well because I thought he, he did well the last couple of weeks. And poor bloke, he, he did his ankle. He didn't want to come off, did he? I don't know if you watched the game, but um, no, syndesmosis, unfortunately. And so, yeah, Kyle's had two weeks off and... Um, yeah, he's got a big job on his hand the next two weeks, that's for sure. Mate, I uh, I wish you all the best this week against the Tigers and fingers crossed for you at the end of the year, you're holding the trophy for the third year in a row. It's been an incredible run and yeah, mate, I just I just want to thank you for coming on and appreciate your time. Guru, mate, much appreciated. Great to have a chat. I'll talk footy anytime. Beautiful, mate. See you, mate.